Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. A little bit of a roll. Two-nothing shutout winner on the road at Las Vegas. And what do they do? They come home and they beat up another former Stanley Cup champion. A winner 3-1 to one over the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. Connor Ingram has allowed one goal in his last six periods. He gets 30 saves in the win. And the team received a standing ovation as they went off the ice. Connor, how you feel about the fans? It's, it's fun to play here. I mean, you give them 60 minute effort like that, you know, it's, it's all people really ask for. So I'm um, glad they're into it. I'm glad they're having fun. And some of us were in a recliner having fun watching it. And Carcody hit, had a goal at the 321 mark of the first, and that set the tone, then scored the insurance goal at 722 in the third, and that gave them their 3-1 to one lead. Now, this little stretch of games doesn't end. Who's next? Only first place, Colorado. At least it's at home tomorrow, face-off, 7 o'clock. Yes! NBA in-season tournament includes our Suns. The Phoenix Suns have won the wild card of the Western Conference. So now they have a new game added to their schedule. They're at the Los Angeles Lakers coming up next Tuesday for the quarterfinals. Win that, and we go to Vegas for the semifinal. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they have a real game coming up tonight. They're in Toronto. Uh, I almost said face off. Uh, we'll say tip off. We're going to guess because I forgot to write it down. It's about 530. By the way, if you're wondering, I got that time right on the Suns game. <laughs> Cardinals wise, they're taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Drew Petzing has been the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns and been on that staff for a little while. He knows all about the AFC North. Very talented defense, you know, I, and I think I said this, I thought I got out of that division, and here we are again. I've played them, I played them seven times the last three years. Uh, it, it's a really well-coached group. It certainly, as you said, it, it, it's the front seven, and you can name the top three guys, and they're premier players, probably Hall of Fame players. Yeah, and uh, the way you guys are playing, this could be kind of bad. Kickoff Sunday at Pittsburgh at 11 o'clock. NCAA College Football, College Football Playoff Panel came out with their most recent rankings. U of A didn't move up the way they had hoped. They're sitting at number 15 overall in college football. Your top four that would make the playoff right now, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. What's interesting about that now is Texas is sitting at seven, Bama's at eight. But remember, Texas beat Bama. But if Bama beats Georgia and Texas wins the Big 12, which one of those two should get in? Or should Georgia get in anyway with only one loss? That's kind of a weird issue. NFL-wise, worst press conference I've ever heard with the Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper. We're going to get to that. And rumors say the Raiders are talking to David Shaw, the former Stanford coach, about becoming their head coach. And finally, 
Yes, uh, meets Ashley Ketcherside. Ashley is on a school board committee, and guess what she handles? She handles the choices of how sex education will be handled in schools. Well, that's wonderful. She's an involved parent. She's also on parent-teacher conference boards, and she's on the athletic department board. That's special. If you're wondering what she does when she's not deciding what they should do in sex education in the classroom, she's a prostitute. (laughs) Oh, they apologize. They just realized they didn't have a very good background check at their school. So if you're interested, you might not want your kids to go to Godly Texas Independent School District. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I do have an awful lot of sports on my mind. But I'm sorry, I, I can't get over this sort. The ISD school board trustee in this little town in Texas said, we had no idea what was going on in her personal life. She was always friendly and personable. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you decided to make Doug Franz Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises. Home on Great American City that drops on your phone every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, UFA, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Birds. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Where were you when you found out your sons made the in-season tournament quarterfinals? Did that last night. Uh, The Suns didn't play last night, but the point differentials worked out in their favor because there were two scenarios they could have been knocked out of the playoffs uh, of the in-season tournament, and they've made it. 
It was like if if they wouldn't have made it, it would have had to been some crazy point differential. Oh yeah, it? yeah, it was insane. It was insane. Yeah. So uh, th- I mean, it was I mean mathematically possible, but not really NBA possible. I mean, it's hard to beat an NBA team by thirty some odd points, and that's what needed to happen. So we got in. Uh, life is great now. Life is great. It's just wonderful that this happened. Um, truthfully, like there's a lot of people that are bent out of shape about the in season tournament. I got to tell you. I, I don't care. I just, I don't care. I mean, and I, I don't, I, like, if you want to, I also, but when I say I don't care, I don't say that to rip Adam Silver. I just mean, I literally, I do not care. It doesn't, the only thing it affects the regular season is that there are going to be spots in your schedule where you don't know who you play until about five days out. And then you find out who you're going to play. And that's a little weird. But who cares? Adjust. Get over it. So, I, and they every game of the in-season tournament counts except one, and that's the actual final. The championship game is not a regular season game. Everything else is a regular season game, so I expect them to play hard anyway. So I, I don't care. And I, and when people get really bent out of shape about it, I do secretly laugh because I'm like, so what? I mean, you got to play your schedule anyway. So what? I don't care. I'm laughing about this. This story. I usually try to let the stories go, make a mention of it, but this one, Godly, Texas, the Godly Independent School District is the name of the place. <laughs> this one, I guess in Texas, you have something called a school health advisory council. They're required by Texas law. That way, more parents are involved in decision-making processes, not just the school board. So there's this woman, Ashley Ketcherside. She's married. <laughs> she has children. Her husband's on the athletic council. She is on this school health advisory council. And one of the jobs of the school health advisory council is to choose how much and what type of sexual education should be taught at different grade levels. And... She's being listed as very nice and personable. <laughs> and there's pictures of her at different school board meetings. And you got to be a people person if she, you're in that profession. I would have thought that that would be exactly what uh, they are. She also leads a local cheerleading group. <laughs> Wonder what happens at the fundraisers. Um, and then what happened is some parents became suspicious of her because she claims to be involved in lots of businesses and and the woman is gorgeous and i think she has a lot of money and so i actually believe it's one of those texas things where this beautiful woman comes to town with lots of money says she's involved in a lot of businesses but they never see any of her businesses and they don't like her so they started googling her and researching her And they found out one of the email addresses that she's given out is also uh, an email address that's associated with an escort service. Oh, jeez. Now, I have to laugh at this, number one. I I personally, you you might find this shocking. I've never run a prostitute business before. I've never run an escort service before. But if I am... Pimp Doug, the the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, ladies, 
Let's with the Gmail accounts, the Yahoo accounts, with the amount of ways you can. I didn't want to say the Cox accounts. So that, that seems a little rude. But with the amount of people that will give you an email address, could you not have your escort email address? And let's not use that for other things. Let's find a way to make sure that's associated with our other personality, okay? Let's separate that world. But somehow, they found this email address to one of her businesses and then found out that this Ashley also goes by the name Lola Bria. And uh, you can have Lola for your nights on the town in Dallas. And here's where it, now this is where it actually gets a little political, but it's kind of funny. In the state of Texas, when you do a background check, if you haven't had a misdemeanor in like three or five years, I didn't go that deep into the story, it doesn't show up on a background check. All felonies do, but misdemeanors have a time span of when they fall off. Well, her prostitute charge, she hasn't been arrested or uh, convicted on prostitution in about five years or six years or so. So because of that, Therefore, it wasn't on the background check when she joined this kind of branch of the school board. And so they had no idea. And now it's a big deal. Like she might have ruined it for all prostitutes because they might, in Texas, they might move prostitution now to a felony so it shows up. You might have everybody with a misdemeanor show up on background checks. They, they, they know they want to make a change so they can make sure people like Ashley don't slip through the cracks. But just the fact that she's married with children and, oh, I got to go to work, honey. I got an escort job in Dallas. Okay. Take a shower when you get home. I mean, hey, teach their own. And a shot of penicillin. Please, please go through the uh, minute clinic on your way home. Doc in a box. It's just, hey. I'll take a minute and say I love my wife. I don't know why I feel the need to say that. I love my wife. Hey, but at least she's doing it. You know, at least her, it's a supportive husband. I mean, I can't imagine Jennifer coming home and saying, you know, I've been thinking, oh, sure. Okay. Let's get into stuff that's, that's real. That, that, that story did completely distract me last night when I saw this. I'm like, wait, what? And I tried to, do the, uh, tried to do the math on that. Today is the week of winners. Uh, for WTSMTV.com. Basic, live, or premium subscribers, you're all in it today and tomorrow. However, however, um, you have to be a premium member to win on Friday. Monday's winner, General Tom, six VIP passes the Arizona Science Center. Yesterday's winner gets announced on TME today on the main event, so I don't know who won the $50 gift card to Harkins Theaters. Now, today you get a chance to be a winner of a $100 gift card to the Parlor Pizza, all right? If you go to WTSMTV.com, and if you're listening right now to the podcast, Amazon, Google, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, tune in. You can't see it, so please join us on the journey here of WTSMTV.com. But Jeff Weir Production has just put up the website, and you can see Week of Winners. And then that's how you enter if you are one of our three levels. Basic means you get to watch everything you want on demand, but you don't get to see it live. Live means you get to see everything live, but the contests are kind of limited for you. And then premium subscribers, you get anything you want. And you're always registered for every contest. So if we have a contest and you didn't even know about it, as a premium member, you might win anyway. 
You didn't even know. Hey, I didn't know I just won this. Well, the parlor started back in 07. Simple wood oven. Vision for a rustic Italian eatery. And Chef Miguel Yeo, I hope I, I didn't butcher your name, Chef, offers a menu and a sales suit, by the way, when you have different names. Uh, I would love a pronunciation so I don't butcher it. And then the advertiser says, why did we give you that card? Doug couldn't even say Chef's name. Just a word of advice. Uh, they, he offers a menu that includes all kinds of pasta salad sandwiches and some of the best pizza in the Phoenix Valley. I've never heard that phrase, the Phoenix Valley. Uh, in fact, they uh, were selected by USA Today as one of America's 25 favorite pizza joints. Uh, you can go see them at Camelback Road in Phoenix. Uh, visit theparlor.us today. Theparlor.us. Thanks, guys. Welcome to WTSM-TV. And, uh, and hopefully some uh, members of the Unplugged Army stop by your uh, pizza place and, uh, and give, you a good, uh, give you a good review. Uh, um. I have so much to do, so I'm a little disheveled making sure I get through everything that's on my mind. I had a champagne problem yesterday. I love that phrase. I learned that from Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, my hot tub went out last weekend, and I use it a lot. Very, I, gotta, I have some back issues, and I look how the hot tub treats me. So uh, that, the, it's bad. It was, some kind of, it was some kind of pump problem that was causing the circuit breaker to trip every time. So I invited one of the evil arch-rival friends, not the evil arch-rival fantasy friend, but a different one, uh, who just drove me crazy Friday night. I mean, last night I had my first beer in five days. That never happens. That ne- I never go that long. But I just drank so much last Friday night. I think it was Friday. No, maybe it was Wednesday night. I don't even remember what it was. That's not good. But he was driving me nuts because he kept buying me beer over and or ordering me a beer on somebody else's dime. He didn't even pay for him over and over again. And I'm just trying to get out of there. Now, yes, you could say, Doug, you're allowed to leave. I know. But somebody buys you a beer. It's rude. So anyway, he's a uh, handyman. So he comes over. He takes off the, the paneling. That doesn't do anything. He takes off. He uh, un, uh, clips the pump from the thing and i flip on the uh, circuit breaker and it starts working so like okay that means there's something tripping on this pump okay so we're gonna have to take this pump out and you're gonna have to take it over somewhere and then have them check out this pump and i don't know why i said do me a favor now that you've unclipped this is like 20 minutes later after he's explaining everything you know now that you've unclipped it Will you clip it back up one more time and let's just see if it works? Well, that won't work because, yeah, I I know, but let's just, well, you know, that won't work. I said, let's just try it. So he hooks it all back up. I flip the switch. Everything works fine. And what's great is he doesn't know this. (laughs) This is so awesome. The big euchre party is every February. So last February, okay, of this, right now, February of this year. I went to Costco and bought him his really cheap yellow beer. That's just a, it's just like somebody drank real beer and then relieved themselves in a can and then he oh here you go here's your yellow beer. I mean it's gross beer that he drinks. Well, here's what's awesome about this. I made a terrible mistake. I went to Costco to get his cheap beer so I thought I could save money. He comes over last February. I swear he only had two or three of these cheesy beers, and that was it. So I literally have had 21 of these beers for seven or eight months now, nine months, whatever it's been, just sitting in my garage fridge, filling up a ton of space. 
So after he comes over, I said, hey, do you want me to pour you a beer and uh, I'll beat you in darts? And he says, okay. Starts talking trash. He loses three to nothing in darts. Come on. It's a home. I got a home court advantage. I'm better at you at darts. You weren't going to win anyway. I'm a pretty good dart guy. So after that, I said, hey, I want to thank you for coming over, working on the hot tub. And I gave him 15 beers. He goes, thanks. And he's so happy. And he walks out like really appreciative of me giving buying. He thought I bought him, you know, beer for coming over. And it's 11 month old beer or whatever it is from last February. Like, how's he going to know? I mean, if you drink that stuff, how are you going to know if it's old? Ah! By the way, the tagline for 100 Mile Brewery, I learned, fresh. It never gets old. What do you think of that, Jeff, for your production? I like that. I like that. I saw it when I was uh, doing some editing. And, yeah. Uh, I saw that phrase. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Beer Friday coming up. The first one that's presented by 100 Mile Brewing Company. There will be a keg in here on Friday. I still am nervous about this. Getting a keg tomorrow, getting it on ice, bringing it in Friday morning, putting it back on ice. Jeff Weir Production and I having a beer. Now that there's a keg behind me, there might be more than one. Then transporting said keg back home, not drinking all of it within a week and bringing it back the next week while keeping it iced down for a week without a kegerator. I didn't get to it in Town Hall Tuesday yesterday, but General Mike had sent me an email that says, hey, I got a whole CO2 system if you want me to bring it over. Kind of Not a bad idea. I'm kind of gung-ho on that one. But he said, if I do this, I want to partake. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, here's what would be dumb. Okay, but you're welcome to do it, General Mike. If you just want to sit here without a mic, just sit here, and, and every time I say something that you're reasonably entertained by, you just hold up your mug. And you sit there for two hours drinking beer? I'm fine with that. It'd be great. I'll get him a mic. I didn't want him to have one. That was no. Like, well, if you I'm don't want him to have of one. Of course. I, Mike on the mic. Of course. We can get him a mic. And uh, as long as he Ubers in. Because I, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. want him to stop drinking. You know, I want, I want just this guy back here drinking beer the whole time. I'm highly entertained by that. How are you going to have the, ta- uh, the keg tapped, by the way, Friday? Is it one of those little party pumps? Well, that's the thing. It will be, um, I mean, they were going to give me the tap, but I wasn't going to tap until I got in here Friday morning. Yeah. But if I use General Mike's CO2 system, then I'll, I'll let him do it. Oh, okay. I guess I should probably talk to him before I just assume that he's coming in on Friday. Yeah, because a lot of those CO2 systems come with like a little fridge to keep the keg in. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if it's that type of system. That would be uh, great. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Well, we'll, we'll figure that out. Or let me, I don't know if I, the problem is, can I get the thing into the car then on the way home? I, I, I drive a Maxima. I don't know if I can get a whole kegerator into a Maxima. Well, if, if that's the case, we could keep it here and you wouldn't have to take it home. Uh, you know what? I trust everybody here with that. I don't trust everybody here with the icing process. I mean, think yeah. about it. you've got to come back and forth and keep this thing iced all the time. Right. You know, and I don't trust that. And then you got to, and then how funny, with, can you imagine the other office people around here? And like, like every four hours we're, we're coming out draining ice <laughs> from the thing. Now, unless it's a kegerator, then we're done. If it's yeah. a full on kegerator, 
uh, then we're done. I got to talk to General Mike about that. All right, I, I should probably like do a show um, <laughs> at some point, especially when you see all of the sound I have today. Uh, I didn't tell you this, Jeff Weir Production, but is the uh, is the David Tepper ready to go? Let me check. I should have asked you that a long time ago because he didn't tell me anything was ready. Oh, look, I, I in my uh, in my folder I see a ton of Tepper. I do too. And let's see, there's numbers one through six, and one, two, three, four, five, six. We got it. Then guess what just became Doug's big one? Let's roll. Doug's big one. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to the podcast, there was, a, there was a long pause there as I was waiting for the Doug's big one uh, type of thing. I normally would never make Doug's big one the Carolina Panthers, but when you've been in this business now, I did my first ever talk show. I don't want to, like, I really don't want to talk about my age, but in 1991, okay, 1991, let me just ask an off the record question somewhere, somewhere else here in the building, okay? Uh, watch my levels here, uh, Jeff, for production. Hey, Izzy, uh, how old were you in 1991? Wasn't alive was the answer right there. <laughs> wasn't alive. So in 1991, while wasn't alive was doing nothing, I was doing my first talk show. And uh, so I've been doing this for a little while. I heard the single worst press conference I have ever heard in my life. I mean, and I don't mean just somebody walking out, okay? Um like, for example, for example, I'm throwing you a complete curveball here, Jeff Weir Production. Will you give me Jason Kidd first? Jason Kidd is not Doug's big one, all right? He's not Doug's big one. But I want to show you there's always examples of bad press conferences, okay? This one is just weird. It's not bad. It's just weird. An ESPN reporter is asking questions about how Kyrie and Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki, how Kyrie and... Um, uh, oh my gosh! Are you kidding? Thank you. I, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, that Izzy's actually listening. But sometimes you just sit here and your brain says we're not participating. And I already had two Mountain Dews. But there is an issue in which Luca and Kyrie weren't really doing things well at the end of games. Sometimes they were both being too shareable. It's <laughs> like, hey, you take it. No, you take it. Sometimes one of them's open and the other says, no, I got it. And it's just been a weird dynamic. And it's, lately it's going well. So Jason Kidd is asked about that. And suddenly <laughs> Jason Kidd goes off the weirdest rant. Think about this rant. The rant is basically in so many words, start being positive. That, that's the rant. You guys traded for Kyrie. The clutch situations were a struggle. Uh, what, this year, you guys are among the best in the league in those situations. What have you seen the difference in the dynamic, you know, specifically with uh, Luke and Kyrie for your closing games? Um, I think maybe, Tim, maybe it's the things that you guys thought should have happened day one, is that they should be successful right off the bat. Um, and it takes time. Failing is all right. It's not a bad thing to fail um, for a pro athlete because you can get better and learn from it. And those two are the best in the world. And we feel very comfortable with those two having the ball. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but we learn from it. And I think they've answered that question um, from day one. Um, as you just mentioned, 
the one of the best, if not the best, in clutch time. But that was a big, big thing you guys wanted to make a big deal about last year. But you're not making a big deal about it this year because it's going good, right? So write some positive. I just asked you a question, and I'm giving you a answer. <laughs> like I'm, t you guys, you know, there's all right to write positive stuff. People will read your positive. You don't always have to be negative, right? Like it's it's just the world's already negative enough, right? So let's see some positive stuff on some positive people that are playing, doing their job on a nightly basis. Making it a lot easier to do that this year. Well, we're only into this year. We can't go back to last year, right? Like that's the problem. Have a good night. <laughs> Write some positive. I mean, <laughs> and then he's actually throwing him a really nice bone at the end. Boy, you guys are making that really easy this year. It's a positive question. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. And immediately, Jason Kidd. Well, that's because it's this year. We're done with last year. Quit living in the past. Good night. <laughs> so. Now, you might say that's a bad press conference. I don't think it's bad. It's just angry and stupid, but it's not really bad. You can tell something's personally eating at Jason Kidd, and he wants all flowers and rainbows now. Okay? You're being a, you're being a whiner, Jason, but it was awesome. It was awesome to, to, for you to vent like that. A bad press conference is when somebody is so frighteningly clueless that you realize they have no chance of success. If you're a Carolina Panthers fan and you watched the David Tepper press conference yesterday, you know you will never win. Just just stop right now. You will never win with that man being in charge. He's too clueless. And it's so funny how these billionaires are so amazingly intelligent in so many different areas, and they think they can walk right into sports and fix it. Now, when I talk about billionaires in the sports world, I'm actually not talking about Matt Ishbia. The, and before you say, oh, why? Because he's the... No. Because he played. I mean, he was a walk-on at Michigan State and earned a scholarship. You, you talk about hard work. A walk-on that earns a scholarship through his tenure at Michigan State. Talks to Tom Izzo all the time. Knows the game of basketball. And then incorporated the principles of sports into business. So many people come in from the business world, walk right in and think sports are the same way. And it's not. Though, there's no time. In, your competition in business, they're in another conference room. You don't have another human being whose job in life it is to physically stop you from doing your job. Listen, you and I compete every day in no, and I don't mean against each other, but for each other, all right? Every day of your life is a competition, but your biggest competitor is yourself. Your biggest competitor is that voice that says, don't do it. That voice that says you're tired. The voice that says that guy doesn't care, so why should you do it? No, you should care. You know, it's on you to do what's right. It's on you to lift up your family. That's you. And don't worry about whether or not somebody else gives you pleasure for what you've accomplished. Okay? 
you get don't get your flowers from other people right if you're religious like me it's easy i get my flowers from god and i'm like hey good i know i've done what's right if you're not there if you're not oh thank you if you're not religious i realize it it's a little different but you should know from your own self i did this i was able to accomplish it and not worry about what everybody else thinks now yes in my complete circle if i would let down my wife or my girls that's okay that would affect me but i would hopefully grow from it all right this situation that's going on with the carolina panthers this guy does not understand there are 31 other teams that have paid for scouts to find better players okay you don't you you hire a headhunter to fill one position and then some guy some woman is now this position and that's it it's not like that you have an entire scouting department every day trying to find better players than the players you have you have coaches trying to coach the players to be better than the other team's players and then you have players that want to succeed so you have all of that competing directly against you every day and people like david tepper think i can just walk in and change it because i'm david tepper and when you listen to this guy oh my gosh it's crazy i mean it's he's lost he is totally totally lost all right here we go Number one, I have to admit, before we get going and ripping David Tepper, I have, to, I have to say something that I never knew. I never knew this, okay? Do me a favor, play Tepper 1, if you could, Jeff Weir Production, and let's all figure out what Doug never knew. Uh, yesterday, we made some tough decisions. Um, I have great respect for Frank Reich. I thought it was Frank Reich. That guy's name is Frank Reich this whole time? You say, Chuh? At the end, I never knew that. The guy, I remember seeing that guy play quarterback of Maryland. I remember seeing that guy as the backup that led the most incredible playoff comeback in the history of the game when the Houston Oilers fumbled everything away, were really, you know, choked away defensively. And the Buffalo Bills came back in the second half. I forget the score, but I think the score was like 38 to 3 three minutes into the second half don't quote me on that but it was around 38 to (laughs) 3 and Houston blew it and uh, the Buffalo Bills came all the way back okay I remember seeing that and I thought that was Frank Reich so thank you I never knew it was Reich I even know him like he used to be the quarterbacks coach here with the Cardinals I knew him I never knew I didn't know his name was that so sorry Izzy said he got to interview him too I oh really yeah (laughs) And when he was in Indy. Uh, I didn't know that. I, I didn't even know his. I, so this whole time I've gotten his name wrong. Sorry, Frank. All right. First question. First real question. And by the way, the Carolina media, you guys were fantastic. There's so many gutless members of the media and every question was hard, but fair and not leading. None of you guys were jerks. You said facts that backed up your question. Then you asked the question. If you are a young person that wants to be a member of the media, I would watch that whole press conference and listen to the media ask questions. I thought they did a really good job. Question number one, you're 30 and 63. 30 and 63 as the owner of the Carolina Panthers. You have fired three coaches in the season. Two coaches back-to-back in-season firings. What? Is, is, do you need to do some deep introspection 
to figure out why you are failing. Um, look, things are constantly evolving um, and they'll continue to evolve. And, you know, trying to make things better is what you always try to do. Um, obviously, that record's not good enough. Um, you know, there's no hiding it. It is what it is, like everything in this sport. Everything's left on the field. Everybody knows what it is every week. Um, that record's that record. And like I said, it's not good enough. We're going to self-reflect and make it better. The answer to that question is yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a major part of the problem. So, yes. We are going to figure out what has happened why it's happening and we're all going to get better from it and namely me instead it's listen we're constantly evolving david you would fire somebody with your performance just put that there and that's the one question that the carolina media did not ask and i would have loved to have that asked of just simply if you hired somebody that had a 30-63 and 63 record that has fired three straight, their last three coaches in the middle of the season, their last two coaches in back-to-back seasons, has had constant turnover and is perennially a last-place team, would you fire that guy? I, I, w- I would have liked that question to be asked. But that was pretty good. Now... The next guy is br- asks a brilliant question. He says, David, you have now fired back-to-back coaches in the season. And once you made the move to move on from Matt Rule, you had a hiring process that decided, not Steve Wilkes, that you should hire Frank Reich. And, he, and this guy said Reich, too. So I was like, that's what I knew. I was really wrong. So... What was wrong with your hiring process where you failed and ended up hiring Frank and it didn't work out? What kind of changes will you make in the, this hiring process so you don't repeat those changes? I think that, and again, I'm not going to get into it here, but I think that, um, you know, it's, there are different reasons why different things happened in each, each case. Um, you guys see, like I said, everything is out in the field. Everything is known over time. And I think people know it. The league knows it. And people in the league know it. So I think that um, if we were, if we, everything was perfect, it wouldn't be the case. And everything was good, it wouldn't be the case. So it's not as if it's not known out there. Reasons, And, you know, that will be something for people to decide. Just generally speaking, and not here, but and not that this matters because this is here. But, you know, in other aspects of my life, we have people for 20, 30 years that work for me. Nobody ever leaves me. Ego much? There's this girl named Heather. And know if my parents are listening, not that Heather. There's this girl named Heather. And I'll never forget, we never really started dating. But I kind of put a stop to it before we really started dating. Met her at one of those day camps. I don't think my mother ever knew. She always put me, she always put me in these day camps, and I always ended up with a new girlfriend after these day camps. I was that guy at all the camps. And uh, when I kind of told this girl on the phone, this isn't going to go anywhere. She said, I can't believe you. 
Like, everybody tries to date me at my school. And I was kind of like, well, if I wasn't sure I've made the right choice, I feel pretty good about it now. (laughs) I mean, do you realize how many yes men you have to surround yourself with before you say, people never leave me? I mean, (laughs) that's amazing. And then that part about, you know, generally speaking, but not here, but since we're here, generally speaking. Like, okay, you clearly have no idea what you're trying to say. And then, okay, all of these things happen for different reasons at different times, and the league knows it. You guys just see the results of the field, but people know it. The league knows it. People in the building knows it. It's like, wait, wait, what? Wait, what? Trying to figure that out. That is a clear-cut case um, uh, that it shows you're, you're lost. I mean, you are totally, totally lost. Then... I want to pull out one phrase. So just go to the next cut, uh, Jeff Weir Production. But the next cut that Jeff is going to play is from the previous cut. But I really want to highlight that one little snippet that he gave me. All right? Go ahead. If we were, if we, everything was perfect, it wouldn't be the case. And everything was good, it wouldn't be the case. You guys wouldn't have such a problem with me if we were perfect. (laughs) If if everything was perfect, that wouldn't be the case. So if you were doing a good job, then we wouldn't be bashing you. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, how about you do a good job then? I thought my favorite, I have a couple quotes that I've always thought are, are, my favorite okay this one i'm not saying it's your fault i'm saying i'm blaming you that's always been pretty good along the lines of david tepper i've always liked this one from randy johnson minus the results today there was a lot of positive things (laughs) now granted if you want to know the context randy was pitching in spring training so it was i don't really care about them getting hits i feel really positive about the way the ball was coming out about the way i was working on my slider and this and this and this was happening so but then he says minus the results today there was a lot of positive things so that's one of my favorites i've always wanted somebody to go into their boss and just speak randy johnson hey the report is here your tps report we have got this we've got this we've got this we've got all of these problems here blah 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 and uh, and then you go, well, you know, sir, if you really look at the bottom line. Minus the results today, there was a lot of positive things. <laughs> yeah, let's see how that gets you. Well, now we've got David Tepper. Well, if things were perfect, this wouldn't happen. Uh, then this, th- th- this is fine. If things were going well, then, you know, you, you wouldn't be having such a problem with our record. <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you're that lost. Like you, when you honestly think I'm the smartest guy in the room and none of you understand, you have no chance. The Carolina Panthers literally have no chance while this guy's in charge. All right, the uh, the next one is even more hilarious. Is 
as he's talking and asked about consistently going through coaches, consistently going through front office personnel, you never let anything build. How are, how are you going to let things build? And then he's asked about why would a future head coach want to come here? Why would the best coaches want to be here if you're going to go through coaches so fast? Particularly into those particulars, but I have pa- I do have patience. I'm just not, <laughs> my reputation away from this game is one for extreme patience. You know, there's no reason why that doesn't, you know, come here too, it does. Now, that patience comes with good performance and things that you want to see progress be made on, in different aspects. Um, and as, you know, as I said, you know, I would like to have somebody here for 20, 30 years. I'd like to have somebody <laughs> that would say eulogy at my funeral in 30 years. Okay, maybe it's 40 years, I hope. But uh, that's what I'd like to have. I, I have patience. I, I have patience. <laughs> oh, do you? Do you have patience? All right. I have patience. You haven't shown it in four years. I have patience. Okay, the last one. Again, this is still old Doug's big one. And I, can, you, can you see the central underlying theme here? The central underlying theme is the, uh, what's that, that phrase? A head, ro- the, the, it's about the fish. The, the fish head rots from the top or rots from the head or something like that. It's always top down. Just to be clear, it's always top down. And this is where it's really proven. Now, this is a little bit of a longer one, okay? The underlying theme here is that ownership is all that matters ownership is the one that sets everything in motion so if your team stinks ownership is not good whoever your team is now if it's a one-year thing and they've had some sustained success like the patriots okay that's a little different now maybe robert Kraft is a little more removed and his son stinks that could happen but ownership is the reason why you don't have sustained success especially in the nfl Oh, my gosh, it's just so clear and apparent in the NFL that it's ownership, ownership, ownership. So if you've ever looked at your team and said, you know, I think my team could do a little better, they probably can't because they've got a bad owner. And now you hear this from David Tepper. This is the last question of the press conference. And he's asked about the rumor that Frank Reich, the head coach of the um, Carolina Panthers, wanted – C.J. Stroud, the quarterback for the Houston Texans. And it was ownership. It was David Tepper that wanted to have a different quarterback. David Tepper wanted Young. The coach wanted C.J. Stroud. And then the rumor is it became a kind of a confliction that every week that went through, Frank Reich is being proven right that Stroud is better and young is worse so every day it's basically owners wrong coaches right owners wrong coaches right and it keeps change and it keeps getting worse and i don't think the owner liked it i don't think the owner liked it at all and then what happens is your owner you, you start blaming the coach because you think he's trying to prove you wrong instead of actually believing that man has integrity and he's trying to do what's best for the team you believe he's sabotaging you in order to prove you wrong and you get mad at him that happens in a lot of businesses 
So I, I think if you hire me, I'm going to go into your office and I'm going to tell you I think you're wrong. I'm not going to be afraid of that. And if I'm proven right, I expect you to elevate me. I don't expect you to treat me poorly because I proved you wrong. Because I'm not going to let everybody else outside the building know. Once, once I've said my piece, all right, now it's my job to prove you right because that's what you've hired me to do. And it's totally, what an arrogant jerk I would be if I didn't work to prove you right. Because that means I'm not willing to admit I'm wrong. And you can prove me wrong and I can learn from it. I go, okay, you were right. My respect for you goes up and I learn a little bit more. That I, I still win in that scenario. And I would hope you respect me more that you knew I disagreed with you and still worked as hard as I could. But in reverse, if you end up getting proven wrong repeatedly, time after time after time, then don't blame me when all of your ideas stink. Don't get mad at me. Don't tell me I have to start listening to the people that you've hired that don't have any idea what they're doing. And especially when it's somebody that I help bring up to that position. I'm the one that's in charge of the training, not you. You're too far removed. So I look at this with David Tepper and I say, when I hear this, oh yeah, this organization's a mess. So what's the truth? Did Frank Reich want C.J. Stroud and you veto it? Um... Just the way our processes go here, and I'll just answer this really plain. On all these, on all those decisions, um, you know, whether it was a head coach, whether it was Bryce, I don't really vote on those decisions until the last piece. Okay, so those decisions are made by, you know, in the case of the by the football people. Now, look, everything that's right and everything that's wrong here ultimately is my fault. Okay, I have the final say. But as far as those decisions, whether it's Frank Wright or it's Bryce Young, um, those decisions were made. And in the case of Bryce, it was almost, I believe it was a unanimous decision on the coaches and the, and the scouts and very strong opinions at the time. Um, now, it's been reported and we talked about it. Originally, we were going to go to the number two pick and, and uh, we thought we'd get CJ because we thought the Texans were going to pick Bryce. And listen, we preferred Bryce. He was our number one pick. We had a lot of conviction. Um, but, uh, you know, to, in, in answer to your questions, it's just not the way the process was done. The process was done the way the process was done. And again, even though if there was a process with five people in the room and, four, and the way the votes came in, it was Frank was the first choice, I always could veto that choice. And even if it was Bryce and the votes came in unanimously in this particular case, I could have vetoed that choice. In both cases, I supported both choices. Okay? I'm just going to say that I supported both choices. I supported the coaches. I supported the scouts, their unanimous opinion. Um, and I supported uh, Frank Reich. So um, whatever's good, bad, or indifferent is ultimately because the buck stops here, and I take full responsibility for everything. But that's the way the process runs. And just one last thing, and then we'll, we're going to go here. As far as Bryce Young is concerned, I cannot say this, you know, for myself, and I think everybody in this building would share this sentiment. We are totally confident in that pick. Okay, I think the people that made that pick first, um, you know, would be totally confident in that. Um, you know, some of them you could ask. Okay, um, and I think the um, and and for me, 
I'm totally confident in agreeing with that pick. All right, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Listen, it was unanimous. So, first of all, saying it was unanimous, I can't – man, I don't want to drive you nuts talking all Carolina Panthers today, but – I believe in you so much as a member of the Unplugged Army. There's going to be a time where you might get let go like I did and suddenly you find yourself as an entrepreneur, okay? Or you're moving in that track. If you have a board meeting or if you have a group session or if you have people underneath you getting together and you are unanimous in in a decision, you're either a terrible leader or you've got some gutless people in there. Really. I got to say, David Tepper is either a bold-faced liar, and I don't like to get personal, but he's either a bold-faced liar or an idiot. And sometimes you can be brilliant intellectually and still be an idiot. And the reason why I'm being so harsh on him is it's clear you have set up a culture where no one wants to disagree with you. Everybody is gutless, and they're just, hey, just sign the check, David. Just sign the check. And you're so bad at your job as leader, you have not fostered a culture where people will actually say what's on their mind. How can every single person in the room think Bryce Young is better? And if they did, why are they still on staff? Look at how bad all of them missed. Now, I don't say you fire everybody because of one miss. Man, it happens. It happens. I love the draft. I'm actually pretty good at the NFL and NBA draft. And when I say pretty good, I probably hit about 65% of the time. That doesn't sound all that good. (laughs) But when I... I look at some other NFL GMs, I'm thinking, what are you guys doing? This is incredible that you are that lost, that you don't even see how bad your management skills are, that you're trying to say what was unanimous. So therefore, it it worked. You're that bad of a leader that nobody feels comfortable talking you off of that. And if it really was unanimous, how have you not figured out you've got those same people in the office? And they failed you. They failed you massively. This is a four to five year failure. You traded that much draft capital. The Bears have your pick. You're the worst team in the NFL. So you traded away not only your future, but your present. Because everybody was unanimous in the room. And you actually have the gall to say, I had the veto power. But they wanted him, so I went with it. If you're so brilliant, why did you veto it then? You had the power. You had the power. You could have went with C.J. Stroud. And by the way, while we're at it, Mr. Tepper, what qualifies you to have veto power? What's my team? Really? So because you're a billionaire, that makes you a good college football talent evaluator. How many assistant coaches did you talk to? How often did you talk to the Alabama coaching staff? 
How often did you talk to the Ohio State coaching staff? How often did you talk to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud's high school coaches? What research did you, since you've got veto power, what work did you do to be able to veto the people that are doing the work? See what happens when you have bad ownership. See what happens when you have an arrogant person that thinks they're better than everybody else or smarter than everybody else just because they have money. The best owners in sports have realized that a lot of to do with how much money they've earned in business have to do with hiring the right people. They know that. And if you hire the right people, why do you have to get in their way? Sure, you make mistakes. There have been people I've recommended for jobs and realized later, what did I do? What did I do? I misjudged on that person. That's happened to me. I feel terrible about it. There's other times where I crush it and I was younger and got to and thought I was helping and training them when I was really getting in their way. I've made some of the mistakes I'm talking about, but never from the position of I'm an arrogant jerk and I know more than all of you. From the position of just inexperience or thinking I'm helping when I'm not. David Tepper, you're really bad at your job. The next move for your franchise is not hiring a head coach. It's firing yourself. All right, coming up next. Let's stay on football. Now let's talk about the Cardinals. And no, we're not going to be comparing Bidwell and David Tepper. How about that? Just because, do I really need to? Long conversation on whether or not competition is good or not. I'll explain next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker and Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game.
lot to get to, and still dealing with this cord. It's driving me nuts. But I'm sucking it up. Gamer. I'm hoping, U of A fans, I know I got to be driving you crazy. I have been sitting on Dave, or David Tepper. Now it's on my mind. I've been sitting on Jed Fish for a long time, and it's my plan to get to that today from both the Territorial Cup and his plans for the week and the things that are going on. So I'll try to get to that in a minute. I was really interested with this from Nick Rollis, who is the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals. And in listening to some of the things that he had to say, the one that I listened to the whole presser, but there was one thing that grabbed me. And this is kind of a longer cut because I included, when I say I included, I just gave timestamps. Izzy did the work. But I included the, um, some of the questions from the media because it starts off with a question about the cornerback position and the different amounts of playing time and a little bit more Keytrail Clark coming back into the lineup. And I wanted you to absorb everything before I really gave my opinions on it. So here's Nick Rollis, defensive coordinator, talking about the battles that are going on on the back end of the defense. Yeah, you know, I think our corners have done a great job of competing every week in practice and guys are improving throughout practice. And, you know, like we always talk about every week, we're going to go into it with a, hey, who needs to play or who's ready to play and who can help us win this game. Um, and that's where roles constantly changing week to week. I think you're kind of seeing that with some of the stuff we're doing. And, you know, those guys went in there and did a good job. Um, and, you know, that's something that week to week they, everyone needs to be ready to play and everyone needs to continue to improve. Jim, you said that Keith Trail had been building back up to get to this point and that you guys really saw a jump about two weeks ago. What did he really show you just to really get back to this Yeah, you know what popped off the tape is he tackled really well. That's not something you always uh, are looking for with corner play, but it just so happened a lot of a lot of balls went to the flat on him or he had a screen his way and he tackled extremely well. Uh, I thought his off technique was good. You know, he was he was sticky on some cut splits where they're trying to get you off and um, get some access and I thought he was in and out of his breaks really well so he had a good game um, and you saw it you know no surprise because he was showing that stuff you know throughout practice leading up to that point. What, what does Marco have to do to be able to get back on the field because even there when Star got hurt the Peabot you know, came in, so he, he played all. Yeah, just, I mean, just like everybody, Marco or whoever, um, you know, they got to continue to improve their game throughout the week of practice, and then it's got to show up in the game. So, you know, Marco's going to play very important football for us going forward, and it's just like everybody's, everyone's got to continue to improve their game because the better we are individually, the better the, the unit is, right, and the better the team is. So um, continuous improvement and comp- and competing every, every week in practice. Is it pretty safe to say that Garrett figured things out fairly quickly because he was hurt for a while, and now he's got a pretty big role? Yeah, he's doing a good job for us, obviously, in, nickel, in there at the nickel spot. Um, yeah, I feel really good about where he's at. He's, you know, he's got things he knows he wants to um, get better at or, or plays he wanted back from that game, but he's doing a really good job, um, prepares like no other, honestly. So it's no surprise that he's able to, you know, without having an off season as a rookie or a training camp and then kind of get thrown in the fire in the middle of the year. Um, not only does he have the physical tools to play that spot, but he's got the, he is ahead of the game mentally and it's because of his preparation process. So in that, you're talking about 
Okay, you got Antonio Hamilton, you got Garrett Williams, you've got Keytrail Clark, you've got uh, sometimes you had Starling Thomas, you got Marco Wilson, you got uh, uh, you got a lot of different people that are playing on the back end, and I'm wondering now. This is not insider knowledge. This is speculation on what happens on a lot of different people, but I think this is important as you look forward. If you believe in Monty Austin for Jonathan Gannon and the coordinators, and I think they've given you enough reasons to believe in them um, with the personnel that they have. I can easily understand if you have some serious questions about the coordinators because there have been some head scratchers this year, and I think it's fair to question them. But I'm always very understanding when I see how bad the players are. I'm not going to flip out and say, well, you should be out coaching everybody. Well, it's hard to try to out coach everybody every week when they've got better players. Has that happened every week? No, there's been, a, there's been once where I thought the Cardinals had more talent than the other team. Okay. Actually, twice. I, I thought twice so far this year. So. And one of the games that was not Dallas. I thought Dallas was a better team, and they smoked Dallas, played great against Dallas. But having said that, when you have constant changeover in the back end like this at corner, what I believe is happening is a little hard for a lot of fans to try to accept. But what can happen is players in the learning process, some players get fat and happy. I'm not saying this happened with Keytrail Clark, but I am wondering if Keytrail Clark worked so hard in the offseason, so hard in the preseason, and earned the start as a rookie and felt like I've made it. Felt like I, I've, I've, now, I've now got what I want and slacked off on his work. And sometimes rookies don't even know they've slacked off. They don't understand the grind itself they don't understand that just because you put in four hours of film study on a player last week you now don't have to do it next week and just because you did it on monday doesn't mean you don't need to do it on wednesday and thursday and friday it is a it's more than a full-time job and a lot of time young guys feel like they've made it and they slack off. Some of them doing it because they're they're just undisciplined jerks. I'll just say it. They're just too immature to handle the situation. Other guys just don't know. They're not trying to be wrong. They're not trying to embarrass themselves. They just don't know. And their practice habits fall off or they start get or they start hearing from an agent Hey, you got to protect yourself in practice. Hey, so make sure you slow down in practice. Don't burn yourself out. You're going to hit the rookie wall. And all of these people who have never played in the NFL are telling them how to be an NFL player. And they think their coach is out to get them so they don't want to listen to the coach. Again, I am not saying Keytrail Clark did this, but I'm wondering if that's why he fell off the horse and it wasn't until he came back and started developing good practice habits. So it could be a case where a long time in this season that you've got Nick Rawlis not playing the best players on the team, not to tank, but to teach a lesson of this is the standard. And until your effort gets to this standard, I'm playing the players that at least I know what they're going to give me. And I'll try to coach around their deficiencies. I don't care that my options increase when I've got you. 
I don't want to sit and wonder whether or not you're going to do what I need you to do on this play. I would rather have somebody that I know is going to do exactly what I tell them to do. And then I can make sure not to put them in a position to do things they can't do. Knowing that there might be a lot more they can't do than you. You start to learn this is real life. And then you start to have a rotating door back and forth of who's putting in the effort. It's really hard when that happens. You fail a lot as a team when that happens, but it's usually better in the long run. So I wanted to support Nick Rollis on that. Now let's get to um, a lot of the things that were said by Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator. Uh, This one is a really good question. James Conner was hardly used in that game, and when he was used, it wasn't very well. So he was asked about the run dispersion, why they kind of abandoned the run game, and really where the ball should go between James Conner and Kyler Murray. Next. I think certainly in that game, I wish I'd given James more opportunities to impact the game. I think looking back on it, as you look at what happened, how the game played out, I think obviously score, flow of the game plays into that. You know, at some point, you know, obviously the lack of success and lack of plays certainly limit that opportunity. And then being behind, you get into a situation where you have to throw the ball based on time left on the clock, possessions left in the game. But uh, he is. He's one of our best players. He's playing at a high level. So need to get him and keep him involved. They weren't stacking the box against you watch if at all but I mean you're throwing the ball on first and second down you just see something there in, in early game planning or, or what Again, it's that mix of kind of attack who they are, who we have. Certainly have a lot of faith in Kyler with the ball in his hand and want to give him an impact, you know, an opportunity to impact the game as well because he's a very dynamic player. Um, You know, and certainly they don't always have as many bodies, but the bodies they do have are pretty good. You know, so we got to try to find a way to to mitigate some of that. And sometimes that's in the pass game. Sometimes that's in the screen game or the run game. Um, So I think it was more just kind of flow of the game. I get it. But this is where offensive coordinators, I don't want to say they lie, but I don't think they've really investigated themselves hard enough. Now, according to Jonathan Gannon, it's amazing the culpability sheet, basically, that that, uh, is turned in every week by Drew Petzing, his offensive coordinator, to say, here's where I failed. But when that answer comes out, it's saying, hey, you know, it's really hard because, you know, game dictates it, lack of plays dictate it, this and this and this dictates it, blah, blah, blah. And it's a, it is a difficult discussion. Number one, I don't care about how far down you were because you had an 8-7 lead, and at halftime, you're down 21-8. to eight. It wasn't until – there's never a time where you should say, we've abandoned the run in the first half, okay? It's only 21-8. to eight. And it wasn't, they didn't score the second touchdown to make it two possessions until much later in the half. So that's a bad opinion for why James Conner didn't get the ball much. Now, in the second drive, they went pass, 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 three and out. So don't say you couldn't get James the ball there. Then the first play of the, of the third drive, it was pass. Then you ran for positive yards and got three yards and made it third and seven. I understand you wanted to pass the ball on third and seven, but that's the first time we're down in distance dictated pass and it wasn't determined by previous decisions. So don't, you know, don't tell me that that's why. The next one went uh, four and out, okay? But you had Michael Carter in the game, so, uh, so it didn't matter, and DeMarcado in the game. So it's like, okay, now wait a minute. 
if we're talking about whether or not you should get the ball to James Conner, why wasn't Conner in? Don't tell me that, well, we needed to just, you know, it's Carter's turn. We had already said before the game, we're going to have three series and then we're going to go to Carter. Okay, you haven't used Conner. You haven't used him enough. So don't say, well, now we need to get a new back in there. That, that was not – I understand it's tough, but you kind of blew it, Drew Petzik. That's where – an oppressor is the time to just admit it. Say, yeah, we, we, there's nothing to talk about in, in the middle of the third quarter and on. Okay, the game was getting out of hand. We had to throw the ball. We needed to get chunk yards or we weren't going to be able to get back in the game. If we, Even if we ran the ball successfully, we would eat up too much clock to get back in the game. I'm not getting down on you about the second half and moving forward. But the whole first half and beginning of the third quarter, that's on you. Totally on you. All right, long conversation here. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, there's a a lot of talk about how the team has rearranged his footwork. And to rearrange his footwork as he's coming off of rehab might be messing up his timing in the offense. And fans are really bent out of shape about it. So here's a long – this is three minutes. But if you're a Cardinals fan, I think this is important information. And I think the media did a good job of getting some answers. I think he's done a nice job. I think you've seen him really embrace both sides of the offense, the run, the pass, just handling the operation. You know, certainly there's always going to be things, even when you're in year five, six, seven of an offense, that you're always going to be working on, tweaking and changing. Uh, But I think he's made really nice progress. Has it been perfect? No. And And he would be the first to admit that. But um, I think he's getting more and more comfortable in what he's doing, what we're asking him to do, and certainly need that to continue as we move through the rest of the season. Good. Yeah, I think, you know, you saw him, you know, again, at times, and and some of it is not the memorization. Some of it is the pass rush. Some of it is perceived pass rush. So you do get sped up at times in the pocket. I think every week we're going to talk to him, hey, you were really good here on these footworks, and you can see why it worked. And then, hey, sometimes you got away with it, and then other times it got you because you weren't quite in rhythm or you were a little sped up, and it affected your progression and things like that. You switched his front foot. What went into that, and could he have stayed the way he was in this offense? Uh, we prefer, I prefer the guys put their left foot up. Is that mandatory? Ultimately, no. Uh, but he was very quick to embrace it when we first got here as he was going through his rehab. It's something like, hey, this is how we do it. We're going to show you examples of why. We're going to show you what we're looking for. And then it's something he can kind of do on his own so that when he hit the field, it was something he'd, even though we weren't able to work with him on it, he's watched guys do it. He watched the tape from Cleveland last year. So uh, I think he was very prepared to make that transition as he stepped back on the field. You know, he, he, we asked him about it last week, and he said you know, he, he'd only had his right foot up. Yes, prior to yeah. us getting here. Yep. Was this kind of the perfect time to do that, coming back to that injury when he basically, I don't see someone out of walking in, but like he's still, that process is so long and he has to get back on the field. I see what you're saying. Um, Yes and no. I, I think certainly because he had time to focus on just that, because he wasn't necessarily able to play the game, it probably sped up the transition a little bit. Um, but a year ago, we had three guys who had really never done it in the quarterback room in Cleveland, and they jumped into it right in April and May and, and hit the ground running. So I think it is something that when you commit to, guys are generally pretty quick to transition. It's all about timing, right? Put up. Is yep. that why? What's the numbers behind it? Uh, we just think it puts the quarterback in better rhythm to go through his progressions and make his decision and, and get the ball out. Now, again, and, and I've said it in here, there are teams that do it with their right foot up that believe that the, their timing and the way they teach their routes and the way that they teach the depth and the, and the progressions work the same. So I would tell you neither's right or wrong. It's just kind of we believe this because it's timed up with the way I was taught and the way that we teach the routes. Um, but it doesn't make it the only way to do things. 
there's a there's a faction of fans who hear about the footwork change and then they see what the results have been the last couple of weeks and they freak out that that is the reason why things might not be going exactly right. That's, I assume, oversimplifying any issues here? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would have, to me, n our success or lack thereof has had no impact. His feet have had little to no impact on that in my mind. So here's the conversation, if you're wondering about it. Kyler Murray under center. He has been taught all of his life, put your right foot in front, put your right foot forward. So then when you flip, your, you'll flip your hips and get yourself in a better throwing position as you drop back. Well, the Cardinals coaching staff want your left foot forward, so you're immediately pushing off of that left foot and your hips are all ready to throw. And then the progression moves from right to left. Everybody coaches it differently. Not a big deal. So this is how the Cardinals coaching staff wants it. And there's a lot of fans that are now looking at the poor performance of Kyler Murray, and they're blaming the coaches. They're saying, you've messed up a good thing. And now you've, you're in his head, and now he can't get his timing down, his footwork down, his steps down, and you can't make that dramatic of a change as he's coming off of his rehab because he had rehab work to do, and then now he's got to worry about his footwork. Now you've messed him all up. I'm not trying to be a jerk, and, and, and those of you that are like dear friends of mine, you, you might have the opinion that that's exactly what's happening. And you're not going to like my opinion, and I hope I don't make you mad. I just got to give you my opinion. It's a really bad opinion, if that's what you think. You're talking about the only human being in the history of planet Earth that is a top 10 draft pick in Major League Baseball and the NFL. You don't get there by being a bad athlete. Do you really think, is he that unathletic that he can't learn that? Then the opinion of, well, he's going through his rehab. Now he doesn't have time to work on this. Now you got, do you not think part of the rehab would have been, let's work on the footwork? I mean, do you not think the coaching staff has ever met Buddy Morris and you would have said, hey, by the way, as you're getting him programmed and you're working on that knee, part of the rehab work let's do drop backs with him so he's learning to push off that left leg and coming back onto the right let's do it that way so he's learning that anyway is he that bad of an athlete that he can't do that really you really think that's the biggest problem right now is the coaches making him change and i got news for you Every coach has different philosophies, different challenges, different things that the way they want it. If, if you really think that Kyler Murray was going to play his entire career for one coaching staff, you, if that's the only way he can be successful, we should not have drafted Kyler Murray. That was a failed draft pick. Now, for me, I didn't really have a problem. I did not want Kyler Murray. I thought he was too small. I thought he'd get hurt a lot. I thought he was a wonderful quarterback in college. I did. I saw everything the scouts saw. I remember watching Kyler Murray and thinking, this guy's better than last year's guy, meaning Baker Mayfield, the Heisman Trophy winner. 
I liked everything I saw from Kyler Murray, the college player. I just didn't think that body type would survive in the NFL. So far, I think I'm right. Not just because he has an ACL, but because he gets hurt all the time. And weren't people arguing that he was a better baseball player than a football player as well? Was that the same guy? Yeah, yeah. There were there were people that that thought that, and but that wouldn't be if you think about. It, even though you're right, Jeff, that wouldn't be a reason to not draft him because it's about hey, can you play football? <laughs> so yeah. now I think he should have chosen baseball, but I'm only. That's like, that's like one of those things. That's a great question, Jeff. It's like one of those things that's none of my business, though. Because I'm looking at it from an athletic standpoint. I never watched him play baseball. I've seen highlights. I never actually sat and watched him play a game. But I have a lot of friends that are scouts in Major League Baseball. And they all told me about him. They drooled about the talent. They didn't love – I'll just tell you this. This is between you and I, Jeff. A lot of them didn't love how involved his dad was in his career. Didn't love that but they like the baseball tools of him. For me, the reason why I say he should have played baseball is I think he would have been a better baseball player. I think he'd be more successful, and I don't think he'd be as injury-prone. That's why I thought. I'm only looking at it from a sports and a business standpoint and what I see with my eyes athletically. But he gets more juice out of being quarterback. He loves playing quarterback. So that's like just one of those love things. I want to play quarterback in the NFL. Well, now that so, you've seen him for three seasons, do you think it's – do you have the same opinion? Oh, it's – yeah, 100%. Okay. Be- because it goes back to the injury situation. Yeah. I just never thought that body could hold up in football. I 100% believe it would have held up in baseball. Uh, and, and he was good. And, and I think that would have worked easily. Um, so when I look at the situation with what's being said – don't tell me he can't figure that out athletically. Don't worry about the ACL because I guarantee you he was working on that ahead of time. No, I wasn't at, at any of his rehab, so I can't guarantee you that. But, man, that's, that's what they do in football. And then lastly, I think it's in the head of a lot of you that you just love Kyler and you can't believe you were wrong. Kyler Murray is an incredible athlete who never really learned or embraced hard mental work. I am not trying to tell you Kyler Murray's stupid. There are quarterbacks that aren't smart enough to figure out an NFL offense. That is true. That happens. I don't think that's the problem. I don't think Kyler Murray truly understands how much work it takes to be a great quarterback. If you think he works as hard as Kurt Warner, you're wrong. If you think he works as hard as Carson Palmer, you're wrong. I am not trying to tell you that Kyler Murray can't be great in his own right, but it's just too hard for him if you're not willing to go as far as great quarterbacks go. And that's part of the problem. And it's being proven right now. The complexities of this offense are beyond him, and you want to blame his footwork? Footwork's vital to the quarterback. I'm not denying that at all. Please don't come back and say, why don't you think footwork is important? It's, it's almost everything. But footwork doesn't get in the way of your brain if you understand the offense. It's not your footwork's fault that the coverage is clearly tilted to the right and you don't see it when you've got open receivers to your left. I mean, do you really think, wait, okay, uh, left foot forward, left foot forward, left foot forward, I'm back. Okay, now what do I see? If you're not seeing it at the pre-snap read, it doesn't matter what you do with your feet. Let him go back to the old way to do his feet. If he can't read the defense, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. 
And that's where we're at right now. The question is not footwork. The question is, can Kyler learn an NFL offense? And he's got a month to prove it. And if he can't, the quarterbacks are in need. Of, the Cardinals are in need of a quarterback. All right, this is a deep dive into what they go into when they make fourth down decisions, especially leading into that end of the first half field goal. Yeah, I know we talked about a lot of those discussions are happening on first, second, third down in terms of, hey, here's the line. Here's where we need to go. Here's where you got to be green. So I always feel like I'm very informed in terms of when we're going to go for it, when we're not. And then in the back of my mind, there's always that like, hey, got to be prepared if something changes quickly. Um, but I think JG and the staff do a really nice job of making sure that we're all on the same page when those decisions are made. And we know we're getting the field goal team out there and trying to get three points on the board. I know that's quick, but I think that's important for you to know as a fan just how much communication is going on. Get me here, we'll do this. Here's the green zone to go for it on fourth down. If you get me here, you got this much time. And Drew is understanding, you told me I get to go for it if I get here, but I've got to know you might change your mind and i got to suck it up and go with it. Everybody's making real-time decisions. Everybody's making a decision in about eight seconds. You've got about eight seconds to make up your mind, maybe even less than that. Okay, people are going to screw up in that. But if you screw up often, you either get demoted or you're out, one or the other. I thought that was important. I thought they handled the end of the first half well. A lot of people are bent out of shape because they didn't get points. But, yes, you would like to have more yardage. But a player screwed up. That was terrible. That was lazy footwork that you end up hooking the end and clearly getting a holding penalty. That's bad. You could say, oh, it's bad coaching. He should know every, every player since junior high is coached to push off that right foot, get your shoulders over your hips perfectly square, get in front of that guy and get that. Or there's two ways to coach it. Or if you're on the end, you're coached to get a big jam. You're supposed to help out on both guys. So you lean to your right while getting a jam with your left hand and getting that guy out wide enough so once he's wide, he has too far to go to come over and block the kick. Either way, no matter how it's coached, it's about brains and feet, and he messed it up. That's on the player. That's totally on the player, not on the coach. Now, it could be on the team for putting him there. Hey, you've got to have a better guy there. But that's the first time it's happened all year, right? I'm not saying a penalty in the kicking game, but isn't that the first uh, the first time I remember seeing a hold on a guy coming around the end on, on a Cardinals kick? And therefore, blame the guy for that one play, but unless it becomes a pandemic of holds, uh, an epidemic, I should say, of holding, then that's not on Monty Lawson Ford or the coach. Went through a lot there. All right, coming up next... I want to get into a little Suns, a lot of U of A, and I want to have a conversation with Steve McCullough, who's coming in for the main event today. He'll be on from 8 to 10, and he'll also be announcing the WTSM Week of Winners. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Rankings came out, playoff rankings. Florida State's now the number four team. And then the big question is, if Alabama beats Georgia this weekend, what do you do? What do you do? What what if Texas and and Georgia – what if Georgia loses, Texas wins? That's a crazy scenario because Texas beat Alabama straight up. So that means Alabama's got to be in. Or excuse me, that means Texas has got to be in, right? But then if you don't put Alabama in, does that mean you put Georgia in without losing? And if you decide, well, I'm not going to put Alabama or Georgia in, do you think that means nobody from the SEC should be in? There's a lot of interesting questions to talk about. I want to dive into that pretty heavy tomorrow, the college football playoff. Also tomorrow, I'm really jacked up of who's coming on tomorrow. Tom Brenneman is going to come on the show. Tom Brenneman, the original voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks, along with Greg Schulte on the radio, but Tom Brenneman on television. So I'm excited to uh, talk to him. The Diamondbacks made an unbelievable trade last week. I think it's a great trade, and we haven't been able to dive into it. But uh, A. Eugenio Suarez is now the starting third baseman, and Tom Brenneman was the longtime voice of the Reds, so he knows Suarez reasonably well. So I want to get his thoughts on that trade. So we'll be talking to Tom coming up tomorrow, and I'm jacked up about that. U of A fans, I owe you a lot, and I'm still not going to get through everything in uh, in, in the next five minutes. So I'm sorry about that. But I want to give you some of the Jed Fish. And let's start with some of the post-game Jed, because I have a lot of thoughts still about the Territorial Cup. Will you give me Jed 2? Not Fish 2. We'll get to that in a second. Give me Jed 2, if you could, Jeff Weir Production. We got good looks. We got the looks we wanted. Uh, it's been pretty effective all year. Uh, I just felt like this. we had some opportunities of some plays that we wanted to hit on. And uh, we got the defense that we, we wanted when we called it. So... We executed well. We we had good protection. Uh, Noah did a great job dealing with some of the free rushers that did come up in his face. He you know he was able to stop and pop and then on a touchdown on a, on a bootleg. He was able to manipulate a defender on a screen. He was able to get the ball out to Mike Wiley versus cover zero blitz. So uh, you know the same screen that Mike scored on last week, he scored on this week versus the same defense. So um, really, you just kind of hit on some things that were really really good and uh that that was really the difference in um uh, probably a 300 yard day and a 500 yard day how about that little beat down right there that guy's and listen i understand but that guy's still bitter about the billboard the 70 to 7 billboard bitter about that game and i'm not saying you shouldn't be it's a rivalry go ahead and be upset but for him to for him to specifically say, yeah, we we scored on a screen pass this week. We ran the same screen pass last week. That's that's coach speak for what the hell are those guys doing all week? <laughs> I mean, he's he wants the dig. He wants you to know if your child's thinking about ASU or U of A, do they want to play football? I mean, that's that's a that that's tra- that's coach trash. If you want to know, I don't mind it. 
ASU deserves it right now. But just so we're clear, that's that's a little coach trash. Here is uh, Jed three, uh, if you would. Again, this is post game, but it's talking about the challenge of the build, and did he expect to be a team that arguably, let's face it, if they if it wasn't for the north south uh, kind of reversal then they would have won the Pac-12 South. They'd be going to the Pac-12 championship game this weekend. Oregon would not. And if they won the Pac-12 championship game, there would be an argument, especially in a 12-team playoff, that you have – well, they would get in beyond a shadow of a doubt if they, had, if they would win the championship game. So, with that question in mind, did you think you'd be here at the time you are? I think the biggest thing is, you know, we – you know, when they when when Dave and Dr. Robbins interviewed me for the job, uh, I didn't say that I wanted to like just win five games or four games. You know, I had high aspirations for nine games. Um, I wouldn't have moved my family here. You know, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to win. Uh, what we learned, I told our team this last night that we're the seventh team in Arizona football history to hit nine wins. Um, that's been only done six other times prior to this year since 1930. So now it's our goal to get to 10, which has only happened three other times since 1930. And uh, if our guys can continue to believe and trust the process and uh, keep getting better, I think we can not just do that one year. I think we can do it each year. That man deserves so much credit. I really do find it interesting. Uh, Steve McCollum and the main event's coming up in, in 20 minutes. And Steve has a pretty fantastic opinion that he thinks he has and i'll ask steve this in a minute i don't know if he's actually said that's the next head coach of ucla or if he's just talked about hey that's a great move for ucla but he's right i mean that for you because think about it i don't think normally you just get all that thrilled to change a teams in the same conference right hey you're leaving one just to go to the same i mean that's that doesn't really do much it happens in the sec sometimes because it might be a mississippi school into a bigger school but usually it doesn't happen. Somebody cha- Well, think about it now. Neither team's going to be in the same conference next year. Neither team's going to be in the conference they're in right now. So UCLA needs to be able to get somebody right now. And you already have a guy that's developed the connections in parts of California, proven himself at the college level, and can at least go toe-to-toe with USC – you got to get that done. It's a really good opinion uh, by by Steve. I tell you what, I was going to play you more fish. You probably heard this before, U of A fan. I'll try to get to that tomorrow. <laughs> but tomorrow's pretty packed. I want to spend a lot of time talking about Suns Toronto tomorrow. Uh, I want to spend a good time talking to Brad Smith of our organic football show, which uh, aired yesterday. If you are a um, member of our basic um, program, you're going to be able to watch that show on demand to help you with your fantasy football team. So go to WTSMTV.com in order to be able to do that. And then, of course, I told you we'll also have former Reds voice Tom Brenneman to talk about the A. Eugenio Suarez. And he also does a show on college football. So I want to get to the debate of what to do. Does head-to-head matter Alabama-Texas? Does it matter that Alabama's had a tougher schedule than Texas other than that game? What about if Georgia, there's a lot there. So we'll get into that with uh, with him. 
uh, on tomorrow's show. But right now, Steve McCollum joins us. The main event is coming up from 8 to 10, and they'll also be announcing the uh, Tuesday winner for Week of Winners. And Steve, I do not want to put words into your mouth. I want to have you clarify exactly what you think. Have you said that you believe that the head coach, the next head coach of UCLA is currently at U of A, or have you just speculated no. that's a good idea? No, if, um, oh no, uh, him to UCLA, I firmly believe would happen. Okay. Uh, if UCLA wasn't stupid and they're going to hold on to Chip Kelly, it looks like. So, <laughs> that's um, true. I mean, if it would have happened, it probably would have already happened. Oh, yeah, well, they, uh, I guess they, they have, I mean, they have to have a decision. When's transfer portal? December 4th? Yes. So it would have yes. had to have been quick, which doesn't mean UCLA didn't make the call to air, you know, to Jed Fish's people and say, "Hey, if we get rid of Chip Kelly, are you interested?" Yeah. It just—it's a no-brainer move, in my opinion. Uh, if you're Jed Fish, to be honest with you, bigger school, yep, bigger, bigger amount. Now they're not as you know higher profile than Arizona is. Big Ten next year. Uh, so to me, it makes more sense than going anywhere. I know he's an East Coast guy, but it makes more sense than going to any of those big schools like Texas A&M and stuff like that. Uh, that was, to me, is the biggest threat of Jetfish leaving is UCLA. Anybody else, I think he'll rather stay in Arizona if they give him what he wants with this, with this guy. But he can get all of his assistance paid a lot more just by moving to UCLA. You know, it's, it's an interesting debate and because I, I think you've got a really good opinion there. But if I, I'm more playing devil's advocate than really believing what I say. (laughs) There's no doubt the UCLA job is better than the U of A job. Mm -hmm. However, is the UCLA job the best jump for him considering how far the jump could be to somewhere else. I don't I don't think he's going to get that bigger jump like an A and M, right? Uh Uh, I'll put a Clemson in there, Florida State. You're not going to get that big jump until you make that intermediate jump. Okay. I, I believe so. Arizona is, folks, I uh, hate to break the news to you. Breaking news here on the crossover. Uh, Arizona's not that good of a program, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the eyes of college football, it has years like this year. Uh, and that's where we come to the sustainability side. Now, if he sustains this for two, three years, absolutely he can jump to one of those big programs. I think he still needs that intermediate jump to prove himself at that next level, uh, you know, and, and going forward, in my in my humble opinion. I it's, it's funny. I totally agree with your breaking news, but I'm more strong on, <laughs> on you going with the two with the kind of like the two year thing because mm-hmm. you're right. And that everybody looks so down on U of A yeah. that only elevates Jed Fish. No, not after one year, though. I mean, after one year, yes. But you're not going to go to, you know, like I said, I'm going to name big name. You're not going to go to a Penn State. You're not yeah. going to go to after one year of success at Arizona. Right. I, you know what? Your Penn State comment. Let's stay on that. Yeah. I don't think they're ready to get rid of Franklin because <laughs> they need to. But it's yeah. really a weird situation. It's very similar <laughs> to Ryan Day. It's yes. that they win every game that they're supposed to, yep. and they lose every game yeah. that is like can't, at some point you need to win hump. that game. Yeah, can't get they over can, the hump. And then it's funny. Ryan Day is good enough to always beat Penn State, but yeah. not good enough to get over the hump of Michigan right now. Yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing that you have when you're in those types of school situations. If Ohio State got rid of Ryan Day today, mm-hmm. who are you getting in there? Like who's going to be better than Ryan Day? You're running that I call it the Nebraska thing, right? Where you go, we're better than nine and two or whatever, yeah. nine and six, nine and, and or look whatever. where they've been since Frank Solich. Two, yeah, uh, and and then it turns out they're not right. Yeah. They can never find the right hire. So those schools are the dangerous ones because they're in a weird spot where Penn State gets rid of Franklin today, which I think would be the right move. But who do you replace him with that will be better? Guarantee that it's it's a. I'm going to say, and this is what's interesting to me. I'm going to say it's Jed Fish, but not. 
now. And to your yes. point, I think they keep Franklin. I think there's about two years that yeah. go by, maybe just a year, and it's proven to them that he's not the right guy. And then Jed Fish, if he wins in the last year of the Pac-12, and then not that the Big 12 is going to be great, but does something positive in the that's, Big 12. That's the question. Now you've got a guy that's had some California recruiting connections, mm-hmm. some Texas recruiting connections. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if he has Florida recruiting connections, but as he, you said, he's, going he's to. an East Coast guy. But, but he's going to because uh, Central Florida is yeah, in the Big it, 12. It, it, yeah. it, would be, it might be a perfect hire for Penn yeah. State. I mean, that's, that's the thing about this Big 12 move. I, I think this Big 12 move uh, is a bigger threat to Arizona losing their coach than anything else out there mm. uh, is because you're now you're adding these other things to your repertoire. And let's face it, Big 12 is not good right. uh, at all. So it might take a year or two. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year. But it might take a year or two uh, to get the, the guys to compete. Because, I mean, Oklahoma State, uh, guys, Oklahoma State's players are faster and bigger than anything Arizona has. Yep. So that's that Big 12 style of football. So there might be a learning curve next year. I'm not saying they're going to go back to terrible. Uh, but two years from now, that's where that sustained success comes in. And it's just setting it up to where uh, now he has two, three, four years of nine wins. Okay, absolutely. Oh, He'll yeah, go to yeah. a big school. Yeah, yeah. But right now, if he was to leave, it's very limited. He needs that intermediate school uh, to jump him. And I mean, there's no more high profile than UCLA, uh, you know, going there. Uh, uh, maybe USC, but in terms of the guy at the new school, there's no mm-hmm. bigger place to here's, go. Here's him. why I'm happy U of A is a state school in this situation. And if you're a Wildcats fan, I think you should be too. There's no doubt he's getting a contract extension with U of A. Okay. But since it's a state school, we're going to have access eventually to look at that contract. The news is not that he signed a contract extension. That's a a so what. What is the language of the contract extension? Is it a big raise? Is it a massive buyout that really hinders him to leave? Is it something that does a good job locking him in, or is it a contract that's easy to get out of? That'll show you leverage. What school does he have listed that he can leave with no penalty right, uh, that's like always that. in there things like that uh the other thing that's striking to me and that i worry about if you're an arizona fan is uh you know giving him a pay raise and the situation that arizona is in right now money wise could be an interesting move and that's something doesn't mean he's not going to get one i don't think jed fish is stupid um i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked if he stuck around even if he didn't get a raise for next year mm-hmm. um but that would be the final year of that deal but i mean giving a pay raise in a down market where you're missing 240 million dollars and you have to cut other things and good luck arizona if you're doing that that's, that's true there's going to be uh like it's the right move football wise yes. but there would obviously be an academic backlash yeah bad optics oh, yeah. well i mean uh, you're the volleyball coach and your program's getting cut uh arizona state's going to have the same problem chris cartman's doing a good job of it but i've said it all along you know you're going from a conference where you were unsustainable in your athletics because you had all these athletic, you know, Olympic sports that the Big 12 doesn't support. Right, right. So you're going to be cutting a lot of programs to begin with, and it's going to be controversial. And for you to go and build new buildings and put all this money into coaching staffs. Now, you, the argument Great. is, of course, in football, that's your number one generating sports. Yep. 
put the put the money behind that, but it's still a bad optic for people that don't understand that that move. Yeah, you absolutely crushed it. What's uh, coming up on the main event? Uh, you know the usual. Hey, uh, we're not going to bash Kyler Murray like you do. <laughs> One day we'll have to sit down and talk about that. Uh, if if uh, really quick, if I you, didn't really think I bashed. If him you today. got rid of uh, Kyler Murray today. I would not get rid of Kyler Murray today. I okay. would. I, I. I definitely. I'm giving him all of December. Because, oh, no, but let's say end of the season, you decide oh, to move on. Who's replacing him? I would hope that they're good at the draft and they yeah, draft. Yeah, there's nobody in the draft that's even close to Kyler Murray's level. Why? What? what I, Na- name the quarterback that would replace I, Kyler Murray and be better I, than Kyler I would, Murray. I'm not prepared to go deep into this draft yet. But I, I like some of the quarterbacks, but I, I don't like losing, so I would not keep Kyler Murray if he doesn't learn this offense. Yeah, my, that's my, that's my uh, argument, though, is uh, you, you tell me who's going to replace him and uh, that, because if you're not paying attention to the NFL right now, a lot of bad quarterbacks out there that people want to switch to. Like, all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins is the man in Minnesota again. Sorry, you got run there. That's all right. Good. Good. I thought. Good conversation point. We'll get into that. Yeah, I... Um, for me, I, I think one of the best opinions I've ever had in Sports Talk Radio was as soon as Kyler Murray came out with the Murray Manifesto, wiped his Instagram, things like that, Cardinals should have traded him. Not spent the money. And so far, I am dead on on that. Now, if Kyler goes somewhere else and embarrasses me, then I'm going to have to eat more crow than I've ever eaten on for not only having the opinion to begin with, but then bragging about the opinion. So we'll see whether I have to eat it uh, someday. Versus Vegas, where I give you the amateur. I am the minnow in the world of sharks of people that actually do this for a living and really know what they're doing, like the main events version of Sweet Lou that that, uh, uh, joins them once a week. That's the real deal. I'm just a boy trying to become a man next to everybody else. Uh, I kind of slowed down. I was on fire for a while. I should say I slowed down. I hit a wall. But then what I meant by I slowed down is I said, okay, I'm not doing as well. So let's, let's find one game that we're confident on. Let's hit on that game and let's build back slowly. It's hard to really stand up and pound my chest on going 1-0. But, man, it felt good after the struggles that I had in uh, the last week. So I focused on Dallas-Houston. Barely got it right, full disclosure. I said take Dallas minus the four. And they came through in the clutch in the fourth quarter. Had a sit and won by six, 121-115. So it's not like I get like a ton of credit on something like that. But, hey, I got it right. You got to build. I would have felt better if Dallas won by like 12 so I could kind of come in here today and go, see? See? But I I can't do that. So today's version of versus Vegas, um, I this one I don't get. And I think this is one of the easiest games on the board. I think they really, I think Vegas really failed on this one. The Lakers are coming off the worst defeat in the history of LeBron James. LeBron James has never lost like his last game. And now the Lakers are on the road at Detroit. Detroit's one of the worst teams basketball has seen in years. 
and it's only minus seven. I realize it's on the road, but the Lakers only have to cover seven coming off of that terrible of a game. You talk about eating crow. Man, am I gonna need to eat it if if that does if that doesn't work out. I also don't like to vote with my heart. I don't do it on versus Vegas, but this one seems easy as well as I'm going up against two home dogs. But the Suns are going up against a Toronto team tonight. And the Raptors are 8-10 on the season. And the Raptors are the 11th seed in the 10-seeded playoffs. So it's not must-win yet. Of course, it's NBA in November. Get real. But Toronto does need to start racking up some wins. But with the way D-Book is playing, and you've had enough days off after the clutchness of his Sunday performance against the Knicks to where you're not living off of that, you don't have any travel issues, you've had plenty of time off between these two games, you've had time to even practice, there's nothing to me that says Toronto upset in this game. So if there's nothing that says Toronto upset, then it just becomes a matter of the spread. And it's only Suns by three. Now, maybe it's, hey, another game without Kevin Durant. Maybe it's the belief that, eh, and when I say another game without Kevin Durant, he's game time decision but expected to play. If if it's a case where the, the scouts or the NBA um, underwriters for Vegas are worried about whether or not they say, why don't we just rest KD again because it's just the Raptors. Okay. But when the spread's only three, I don't think that's going to have a big effect. I'm looking at the Suns, and I'm really, really comfortable with a a Suns win um, tonight. And I'm not saying by a lot. I understand the issues. That's that's to me a a no-brainer. And then hockey-wise, I didn't really find anything I liked, so I'm just going with those two games. Saying Lakers minus the seven on the road to Detroit, Suns minus the three on the road at Toronto. And I feel like let's pick up these two wins. Let's get back to now winning three of my last three and trying to fix the little bit of the swoon that I went on before. Main events coming up next. They've got your week of winners announcement, so make sure you're listening for that. If you haven't already jumped on it, you want to be involved in the week of winners, just go to WTSMTV.com. Choose the plan that's right for you, basic, live, or premium. And remember to get yourself signed up for this week's week of winners by, if you can choose premium, I think it's well worth the effort if you can be our grand prize winner of what Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass is handing out. It's crazy. Three wedges, a free foursome, and free lunch at Civlic with your foursome. That's about an $1,100 value. Yes, three Titleist wedges. What's awesome about that, if you're the winner, think what you can do for Christmas. If you're not a golfer, give the whole foursome to one guy. Give the titles wedges to other people. You can hand all three to one person or maybe give one wedge to each nephew, something like that, each son in the family. You keep it yourself, and now it's a business trip. You can take a bunch of your business clients out and say, hey, hey, you know what? I've decided to take you guys out and buy you lunch. I want to say thank you for the year. Thank you for what you've done for me in 2023. Here is my gift to you. Man, those guys are going to go, wow, I didn't know you liked this this much. I better do more business with you. Ah, ah, ah. See that? 
Also, if you haven't done it, go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and become a Whirlwind Plus member. To me, it's going to pay for itself in at least three visits. I think it only is going to take you two visits to make your money back. If you drink like me, it would only take you two visits when you're saving 15% at Sivlik the Restaurant. Bell's Nashville Kitchen, the original sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. Christmas party, the holiday event coming up December 9th in a, a couple Saturdays. Please be a part of that sanctioned event. I'll be there from at least 4 to 10, probably longer that afternoon. Any issues with water filtration? Choose Parker & Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Rosati is the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged. And the best breakfast burrito is Burrito Express. I'll see you tomorrow. The main event's up next.